Well, everybody said about the bird. Grown men watch this shit. A podcast about indie wrestling. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the wrestling podcast that makes all other wrestling podcasts look good and professional. The show known as <laughs> Grown Men Do This Pot. No, Grown Men Watch This Shit. <laughs> did uh, did you did you stuff that up on purpose in in uh, effort to make us sound extra unprofessional? Uh, yeah, but I was trying to call it the Grown Men Do This Podcast, but then you know realized I, I fucked up. Pretend. Pretenskis. Oh, good. So it was a shoot fuck up. <laughs> no, no, it was all Pretensky, though. Ah, oh, well, I'm fun, man. I like to have a good time over here. I like oh, it. <laughs> my dog is already bothering me. I might. The last podcast I did earlier today with uh, one Derek Montilla, I had the dog in the crate just to keep him away from me because I thought maybe that would help out. And it proves, yes, it should help out because right now he's already sitting here biting my hand as I try to record the show. So if you give me a brief moment to prove how professional we are, I'm going to go put this dog in the crate so I don't have to deal with this for the rest of the podcast. Give me a moment, okay? All right. I'll be back. Yeah. Sorry, buddy. Um, you screwed that's up. Okay. That's okay. Come on, dog. Come here, buddy. Come here, buddy. I don't know, listeners. I, I personally quite enjoy dog sounds as i've pointed out in the past i feel like dog run-ins make any podcast better but uh you know whatever makes jeremy more comfortable really i've never personally been a a dog crate kind of guy (coughs) never put the work into the the crate training as they say is important uh but yeah i mean others they they say dogs just fucking love their crates so he's not a judge you know hey you're talking shit and come back sounds like you might have been talking shit no, no, I was just saying how I've never put the effort in personally to um to crate train dogs because ah, that's a yeah. whole thing. Uh, but I was saying if if you're done it, done it, the whatever. You know what I'm trying to say. Some dogs apparently <laughs> love it. Yeah, every once in a while he'll he'll go in there if he just wants to chill out for a second. We don't put any pillows or anything in there because we don't want him to think it's okay to use the restroom in there and try to bury it. So mm, yes, yeah, yes. yeah. Yeah, so a lot of dogs see it as their as their happy place, right? Correct. Yeah, it's not the, the cage also, that people think it hate, is. They do hate it when they have to, like when they realize they may have to go in there. They don't. They're not too jazzed. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the same time, they realize they're safe in there. So every once in a while, if things get kind of out of hand, they might run in there like, "Oh, nothing's gonna get me in here." At least so far, it hasn't. Right. Right. Yeah. Nice. Okay, that's good. Yeah, I'm. Uh... We're recording in an Australian afternoon today, uh, probably quite late for you. What, what time are we looking at there over uh, Pacific Northwest Way? It's 10 in the p.m. 10 in the p.m. Ooh. Yeah, so I'm, I'm all relaxed. This is wonderful. I'm, I'm drinking a, a beer, a, a PBR. I just happened to have one in the fridge, and I was like, you know what? This is meant to be. I, myself, ooh. Can't hear me. I'm, I'm enjoying a beverage as well. I've had a Incline Cider Company, but it's a blood orange cider. Mm-hmm. I can't have too much hops, buddy. Mm-hmm. Bad from my from my gout. So yes. I've moved over with some ciders. Sounds and like I've some fancy cider. Fun. Oh, it's quite delightful. Mm. 
Yeah, I am. I used to be right into the, the cider, but then I don't know why. It's just kind of taken the backseat. I think because I was so much more enthused by sours, which is like mm. you, you get the delightful bitterness of a cider, but it's beer. So, yeah. yeah. Where are you on sou- sours? Do they also flare up the gout being a beer, or do they get under the, under the, uh, I don't know what the saying is there. People, people get it. I try to steer clear of beers entirely now that I have the gout. So mm. I have I had a sour prior to uh, getting the big flare-ups, but I, I wasn't too keen on it. But I imagine now that I'm kind of you know grown accustomed to the, the taste of a good cider, it might appeal to me more. Mm. But again, I haven't ventured that way yet. Yeah, well, that is one of the few beers that Courtney will drink. Because in her mind, it tastes more like a, a cider than it doesn't taste too much on the on the beery side, I guess. Sure. sure. Mm, mm. So, well, uh, hey, I, I got some big news. What is that? Well, I've had big news before about stuff that doesn't necessarily pan out big. So I was the announcer for Without a Cause, and that panned out for a show. And then we tried to record some stuff. And maybe I didn't put my best foot forward. I didn't take it seriously enough. That's my they, when they went another direction. Then they gave me an opportunity and told me I was going to maybe be a manager. And I just kind of ended up sitting ringside uh, doing gifts as a character <laughs> somewhat, but not really. Hey, whatever. It's cool. They gave me an opportunity. But... I thought the concept for that, that influencer manager gimmick, if you actually ran with that, that could have been great. Well, it can pan out potentially still because I've I eventually – they did mention at one point about me being a backstage interviewer and – Yesterday or day before, I like eventually just said, "Hey man, do we still want to do that? Because I think that'd be fun." And I said, "You know what? We're going to do that." So I'm going to at least be a backstage interview type character for Without a Cause. You know, fun. we backstage. Like, I'm standing here with such and such. Here we've got to talk about their upcoming match this evening. What do you got to tell us, big man? So I can do go. that. Stuff. It'd be fun. Oh, awesome! Finally, something cool. I mean, it should be good times. Yeah, yeah, nice. So you're you're gonna be uh, getting those those mean gene mean gene chops down. Mean Beak Okerlund. I mm. I don't know if I'm gonna be like the great interviewer that Mean Gene was, but I'll be able to at least ask the guy a question to get him to fucking start promoing like a mofo. Yeah. Who else is on your top wrestler backstage interviewer uh, list? Your uh, what's that mountain that people? It's a uh, landmark over there. <laughs> the Mount Rushmore. Yeah, there we go. Wait, wait. Are you sure they haven't uh, de declassified that one as as no longer being a fucking monument in your country with the recent well, they're news? All, they're all good, decent. You know, the white guys we've all kind of agreed to. We're gonna ignore some of the stuff they did but for the most part that's just george washington the rest of the guys seem like okay lads no no i was alluding to them them de declassifying a bunch of uh national monuments of your oh i know uh, you're mad. i'm just saying i don't I, I think those guys are kind of be safe the other ones that we got rid of were all like slave traders or people who stood for the confederacy and shit no no i mean trump Trump fucking up this bullshit and and giving up a bunch of the national parks to fucking oil companies and shit Oh, you think they're going to fucking mine through Mount Rushmore? Well, there was a bunch of fucking, uh, like, national park things that were identified previously as monuments uh, that were declassified, like, fucking thousands of of acres uh, that they just, like, yeah, this isn't a national monument anymore. This can be drilled into for all of the fucking, all they want. Fine. (laughs) Um, I hope that's not what's going, I mean, fuck. 
I don't know, man. That sounds. We've gone from backstage interviewers to <laughs> the, the, the mining of. Anyway, let's, let's bring this back on track then. <laughs> Who is on your Mount fucking Rushmore of uh, interviewers? Um, what's that? Uh, well, it's got to be Mean Gene. Um, yep. I did like when Michael Cole used to do that a lot more. I thought he was fun. Oh, when he was the backstage nerd, when he had his yeah, sweet yeah. Uh, goatee. <laughs> there was no gimmick at all. He was just a guy asking questions, and they seemed like... I always enjoyed Todd Pettengill. I'm like a real oh, WF yeah. guy. But, I love Todd. Uh, did Lance throw Russell one in do there. a lot of interviews and stuff, too? Lance or Russell. Gordon Soli, uh, Gordon Soli also used to do interviews. They were yeah, also yeah. announcers. I mean, yeah. That- I reckon, yeah, Lance Russell's got to be number one for me. I mean, he, he's doing both. He's doing the commentary, and he's also just killing it on interviews. I think uh, yeah. Tony Skivone, as Jericho would say, uh, also <laughs> did a great job of that in um, in, in Crockett in the, the late 80s. Um, but uh, I reckon one of my favorites, uh, from probably something that you, you're going to be surprised by, but fucking Jeremy yeah. Borash. You like JB, huh? I thought JB killed it. He he was easily the greatest backstage interviewer in TNA history, no doubt. You know what? I used to. I mean, not to throw shade on uh, on Goldilocks. (laughs) (laughs) Unnecessary shade, dude. We don't do that on this podcast. Mm -hmm. Uh, But no, yeah, JB. I always I always enjoyed him. I I used to bust balls because he's just such an easy target. He came off like such a goofball nerd. But you're right. He, his interview style was – he tried to take it seriously. He wasn't being silly or goofy. So yes. I, I am surprised, but I can't disagree. He's I thought good. he was great. Like he would, he would not be the, the, the focal thing of attention. He'd be, he'd be putting it all towards the wrestlers, and he'd have the instincts uh, to, to shine a light on the, the things that need to have a, a light shined upon them. Uh, in the context of the angle. So he, he just a lot of the little things that he did, uh, I thought were, were fantastic. There's, there's one in particular that I remember was great when, um, do you remember when they did like the, the ECW uh, tribute show in, uh, in TNA back in the day? Yeah. Like, was that the first time the originals came out or, or was it? No, the I mean, they, <laughs> they had like them as a faction back in like the, the Nashville asylum days. Yeah. Um, but then I think this was when they actually just did a, a whole show that was basically like an ECW tribute show. There was like a Jerry Lynn RVD match. I think they put like a weird blue light on the ring for some reason that I never really understood. Uh, I did not see that. But one of the better parts was they actually reunited the gangsters of ECW fame. Uh, being New Jack and Mustafa, who, which I was a big Gangsters fan back in the day, their feud with uh, with Public Enemy. But yeah, on this one they had uh, New Jack and Mustafa uh, do a, an interview backstage <laughs> with Jeremy Borash, our little JB. And <laughs> let me tell you, this interview went off the rails. Yeah, I imagine so. It was must see. <laughs> I don't want to allude uh, to exactly what happened because it's maybe not too uh, appropriate in today's day and age, but uh, I remember enjoying the shit out of it at the time. <laughs> I can only imagine what you mean by that, but uh, I want to put over, just for you know uh, consideration, JoJo. I mean, she looks great doing it. That girl. <laughs> I didn't even know she was an interviewer. I thought she was like That's just a shitty she announcer. Back in the day. No, she started as a backstage interview and then became like the ring announcer, but right. I'm just joking. Okay. 
just joshing, bro. Nice, nice. It's because I don't, I don't follow this thing. I don't know what is a joke and and what is real. You know, I, maybe you know, she was great. You shaved your beard, and now you have your comedy receptors were reduced yeah. by the lack of facial follicles. I no, I think there's something to that. I, I think generally speaking, you're going to have more fun uh, shooting the shit with a dude with a beard. Than a shaven-faced man. Like generally speaking, I think they have a better a better um, comedic. For more wit. affable bunch. Yeah, I'd like to think so. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just going from my experience of talking to random uh, random dudes at Bearded bars, blokes. you know, yeah. yeah, like the regular clean-shaven guy. I think, eh, not sure if I could trust this guy. What is he hiding with his clean face? Mm, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, man. Uh, since you bring that up, it's uh, that has been a, a big thing for me over the last couple of weeks for our listeners at home. I think I can't remember what we thing you've done. alluded to it on a previous episode, but uh, I basically for the first time, and I think it was like a decade. It's been a while. Uh, I, been a while. I shaved off the beard as a as a fundraising gimmick for the uh, the wildlife rescue. Spoke a little bit about that on the last one, I think um in australia but yeah i i did it and then it was funny it didn't get down to the actual day or maybe the couple of days before the big shaving and it was like a public thing it was in like a bar and everyone came we did like a raffle and stuff but yeah i didn't i didn't kind of work it out until like the week over i'm like fuck i'm actually gonna be having my beard shaved off <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know like the reality of the situation kind of sets in dawns yeah i hear yeah. you man and I... you're like i'm gonna have a bare face shit um like right now i'm stroking my beard was like contemplating the the thought yeah of having to remove it but you did it for a great cause thank you thank you sir uh yeah. but yeah so the reality set in and i was like fuck like I should get, like, some face wash and stuff. What if I have, like, some pimples under there or, like, a weird rash? That would be embarrassing. So then I'm, like, That's spending... That's what I'm super worried about, too, dude. Like, you just think because do... you don't get to clean it as much being underneath all of that that hair. So then I got, I like, the some skin's face super wash. dry down there. Sorry? I know the skin's got to be extra dry because the... your beard's probably sapping up any additional moisture. Yeah, like, real, real delicate, too, that's had this, <laughs> yeah. like protective covering over it for the last decade <laughs> the slightest nick you just start bleeding ah, oh my god <laughs> but yeah we we had the the night off and uh yeah we um it was good it was a well-attended little event we had a local bar that that put us up for for free and provided some some food and a raffle prize and stuff and people got it, to come up and take a whack off your beard yeah well that's <laughs> That, yeah, that that may have sounded wrong. Um, oh, I didn't mean that. Holy shit! <laughs> Crazy. Yeah, you Normally, know, don't... that would be something I would totally say intentionally, <laughs> but it wasn't this time. So, if if you up your donation, everyone can fucking bukaki on my beard. <laughs> <laughs> then we'll shave it off. It'll be a hell of a process. <laughs> Fuck. Um, but no, we we did a thing where I'm like, we had the scissors and like, all right, anyone that just comes up and wants to have a snip. Which was kind of it was a confront confronting moment. Like just imagine like a room of room of people coming up to you and just snipping a bit out of your beard. But yeah, yeah I wasn't quite prepared for that, but it was fun. Yeah, we did uh, pin the beard on the donkey. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I made up like a bunch of different beard styles, and then we had um, 
Eeyore the donkey, who, uh, it was funny, he just looks real sad without the beard, but then you put a beard on him, and he just, just looks real high and happy. It's amazing. <laughs> amazing what a beard will do. Yeah, yeah. So, for all of our people playing at home, uh, I think, yeah, if you, uh, if you don't have a beard, you'll be sad and depressed. Have a beard, happy and high. There you go. <laughs> I think it works out. So my question for you now is, do you yes. begin the pursuit of regrowth, or do you take it a bit of time to enjoy clean-shaven Chris? So, I mean, today marks officially two weeks since the actual shaving. Um, and okay. then I had the next day was, like, my, my cousin's uh, Ben, you know, Ben, his, his engagement party. So I mm-hmm. went down to, to Melbourne for that, and, yeah, everyone was like, who is this man? Like, my nan didn't even recognize him until I started speaking. <laughs> <laughs> so like, great for real yeah um but yeah so what i'm what i'm planning on doing i've just kind of got two weeks of stubble at the moment but I'm, I'm waiting till the the mustache is like thick enough to where i can just shave the rest of it off and, and rock a mustache for a while mm. um yeah one like a dirty 70s stash that's that's my Hell goal yeah. but yeah at the moment it's just dirty dirty looking methodic stubble that's what we're looking at <laughs> Right on. Some people have cool stubble like Razor Ramon. Other people like me, dirty bogan meth addict. I don't know. <laughs> I don't make the rules. Hey, you gotta live with them. That's all it is. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, so yeah, that's that's been my life. Getting used to just seeing my reflection in shit, and I'm just like, who is? Oh, that's oh, oh. the man in the mirror. Yep, yep, yep. Right. I mean, the, the more I got stubble, the more it kind of feels okay. So. Yeah, one one of my buddies at the shaving, <laughs> so cruel, <laughs> right? So basically, I'm like clean shaven. I'm feeling insecure as fuck. And he's like, "Whoa, man! Normally they say shaving off your beard makes you look younger, but you look older." It's <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, my feels. How <laughs> Courtney feel about the whole thing? I think she was just sufficiently weirded out. She did like the yeah. live um, Facebook streaming. I don't know if you saw any of that of the mm. the event. Um, and yeah, she was just. It took a long time. Like you kind of forget how long it takes to to just trim off a beard and all of the stages oh, yeah. of scissors and the sh- electric shaver and then like the fucking um, shaving cream and it took like forty five minutes. So I think she was More. just really bored by the end. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's great yeah yeah but it was it was a good thing and yeah we raised i think um just under two thousand dollars all up wow so nice it was more than i thought honestly i set the uh the gofundme as like one thousand dollar goal um mm-hmm. and i was like not even sure we'd raise that and then yeah just under two g's um yeah pretty happy with that so yeah that's right good oh so that's that's been me um, any any other current personal news before we jump on to the wrestling news? Uh, no, not nothing really. Just been really, really busy doing design work. Uh, yeah. So, so you did a yeah. post that you've just got a whole bunch of shit going on. Busy, Jeremy. Yeah. Yes, indeedy. So just working, working, working. Nice. Hey, I want to make sure I give you special uh, podcast shout-out props for that insanely awesome Cyclope design. Fuck, man. Thank you, sir. So thank great. You, you. I, I was, like, not even fronting when I'm like, this is maybe the best thing you've ever done. 
Like I love it so much. I really appreciate that. I, for shits and giggles, also made that stupid cowabunga the guy, the mm-hmm. turtle that fought Jim Cornette, just because it made me laugh. The, the concept of having a cowabunga the Ninja Turtle shirt, so mm-hmm. it's out there. It's a thing nice. now. Um, yeah, but yeah, check out Pentagon. I think everything's on sale right now. Yeah, awesome. Everyone, check it out. Jump on there. What, what's the, what's the URL people can can use to get to that place? Oh shit. I don't have it. <laughs> but if you go, if you go to, and type in to your Google machine, T Public and Pentagonzo, it's spelled as it sounds. Uh, yeah, you'll just probably pop right up. That'll be my shit. Boom. Mid show plug ski. Oh, good. Um, but yeah, so this week, we uh, rather than watching a current show, we just watched a whole bunch of old shit. Yep, yeah. Um, this was stuff uh, for the most part that I have encountered on my my journey through this uh, wrestling one hundred bloodiest matches list for the illustration project I'm doing at the moment, and I thought I'd share the love with my my wonderful co-host here because there's so much of this shit that I'm just like, I either completely forgot how great this was, or never knew how great this was, and just. It, it just makes you love wrestling all over again, you know? Like, I, I heartily recommend everyone watch watch yourself some, some old wrestling. You know, it doesn't necessarily need to be real old. We, we watched one match from the uh, early 60s, uh, but everything is, is, is worthwhile. Uh, what, so we, we basically watched one match from Chicago from the early 60s. Uh, we watched... One uh, match from 1993, I believe, um, for All Japan Women. Uh, And then we watched one match from 2005 from uh, Futen in uh, Yokohama in Japan. Sampling such an array of ice creams. Yeah, and that's exactly what it is. It's it's the flavors of ice cream kind of thing. All All of these matches were so completely different. But all of them were just fabulous wrestling in my book. What, what do you think about the, the array here? Um, first off, I, I got to say thank you for whenever we do this kind of stuff because I'm always more apt to watch a match that you've already put over and that has something interesting and appealing because I always find like these awesome gems or little nuggets of greatness. And I really appreciate that. Uh, it's hard to like just seek out old wrestling matches. Like, what should I watch now? Yeah, where do you Without start, Without being right? prompted. Yeah, like, exactly, exactly. Like, there's so much good shit. Like, it's specifically, this All Japan Women's Match we watch, it's been something I've seen GIFs of, and I have heard touted as how awesome it was, but I didn't <laughs> really expect and didn't imagine how great it was going to be until I sat down and watched it. And, oh, what a fucking match. Yeah, this, this similar to, to what you've said, this has been something that I've been... A lot of matches, right, for me, I, I kind of treat them like movies because i got a lot of movies that are like I know I'm going to love and are like all-time great movies, but I've, I've just never watched them even though I own them because I want to be in the right space to properly enjoy and appreciate them, you know? For like sure. uh, I only watched Taxi Driver for the first time like three months ago. So it was like a, a screening that I got to to go to and and i knew that i would love taxi driver because you know all of the above months scorsese robert de niro you know i, I love everything about that uh but i, I didn't want to watch it till it's in the right frame of mind 
same same way I'd say the equivalent of taxi driver uh, in pro wrestling. There's a lot of matches that I know are great. I've heard them touted as like greatest of all time for a long time. But I don't didn't just want to watch that on a whim in the wrong frame of mind, you know. So sure, you you, you put it off until the the right moment comes, and that was it for me for this match. So for for people playing at home, this particular one that we're talking about is a match that uh, has been touted as the greatest women's match of all time. Uh, and that's hard to live up to. Like so that's pretty lofty. <laughs> when right? I hear that, I'm like, shit! I don't even know if I'm ready to watch that. Like, yeah. What if it means I can't watch any other women's wrestling anymore? <laughs> it's I, done. <laughs> it, it it sucks as well. For I was I was not sure I wanted to say that to you before you watched it because any time you're watching a match that you hear is so lauded, you know a lot of the the you know big time five star Meltzer matches. If you you really got the five stars before actually watching it, sometimes that can dampen your excitement of the match. What do you think? Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. If you... I'll use a line that uh, Sheldon Cooper in The Big Bang said: "If you blow, if you knock off somebody's socks, he can't put them back on. You know, <laughs> your, if your socks have been pre-knocked off, you can't put them back on. I'm already going in with no socks on. You know, it's fucking ridiculous. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> he didn't say exactly like that, but you know, what I a great way to here. put it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I, I put this off watching this for a long time, um, and, but I, I felt after watching it confident in saying hey people do say this is the greatest women's match of all time because after i watched it i'm like there's no way you can go in with too high expectations for this match it's that good Dude, it's on par with and i'm not this almost sounds sexist but it's like on par with some of the greatest men's matches like i would yeah. put it up there i like 100 oh, yeah. easily like like any of those kind of big time like when dave Meltzer five-star ratings still meant something um like those those big time five star matches, like the the Joe uh, versus Kobashi kind of shit, like the the big ROH Dragon Ma- Dragon Gate uh, Invasion Six Man, I think it was that that multi man Dragon Gate tag that just blew everyone away at the Frontier Fieldhouse in Chicago back in like two thousand six, I want to say. Um, but yeah, like this this match, man. It, it had everything, and um, so to, to set it up, like, this is, uh, it's, at the time, probably the biggest supercard of women's wrestling ever put together before. So it's a whole bunch of, of different uh, Japanese women's groups that have, like, all gone together on a, a supercard, officially under the Old Japan Women's Banner, um, and uh, the, the show is called Dream Slam. They'd go on to do a, a sequel of this show as well. Um, so this occurred in, um, I believe, 2004-1993. Um, and, yeah, so this is just a crazy mega card. Uh, at the time, women's wrestling in Japan is just fucking huge. Like, the, the magazine and newspaper coverage of it over there was just through the roof. Um, I mean, they were, they had the real heyday in the eighties, um, with the, the crush girls and the jumping bomb angels and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but yeah, this, this at the time is like just getting to a next level kind of thing. Right. Yeah. And so they put together this crazy super card and, and this, this isn't even the main event. This is actually the semi-main. 
and yeah, all, Ooh, all sorts of groups. <laughs> right? <laughs> like, why you do that to us? Why, why you gotta do that? We gotta clean this mat up, too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, so we've got basically like the, the mega star, uh, you know, the woman that a lot of people say greatest female wrestler of all time, uh, who was just really at the height of her career at this time, Akira Hokuto. Um, and they call, you call it the demon queen or something. Uh, the, what, was it? what did I say? I can't remember. It's something badass. Yeah. It's Cause it's awesome. They have no Japanese translations for it. It just comes out clear as day in English, but I can't remember now. Yeah, um, but so it's uh, Hokuto, and so she's basically just huge star. She's recently like turned heel, but it's it's only made the crowd love her even more because of her new badass ways. Uh, and she is is facing uh, famed uh, kind of almost equivalent of like how the in the the late eighties we had a bunch of the New Japan guys leave New Japan. Uh, and and go and do like the fucking uh, dangerous real... queen. Sorry to interrupt. Dangerous, dangerous. queen. That's yeah, yeah. it. Yeah, definitely badass name. Yeah, kind of yeah. like in the late eighties where we had the rise of UWF. We had a bunch of the New Japan guys leave and say, "Hey, we're not doing this fake shit no more. We're doing shoot style." Um, we had uh, uh, the rise of uh, a shoot style women's group uh, as well in the the early nineties. I think it was LLPW. Um, and yeah, so this, this woman, Shinobu Kandori is, is one of the real stars there, uh, basically badass shooter. So we've kind of got like the, the top mega star against the, the big shoot style, uh, real legit star kind of thing. So everyone's kind of going into this, like, what's this match going to look like? What's the style going to be? You know, and, and like just the actual feud between the women was, was hyped up like crazy as well and i don't think they've ever actually faced off before prior to this uh so the just the the idea of the hype of, of this big interpromotional match was was bloody huge and a lot of the time in pro wrestling whenever you have these kind of big interpromotional mega battle kind of thing a lot of the time it often fails to live up to the hype i find yeah for but, sure but it's hard to yeah it's such a lofty goal especially because people Dream of that crap all the time. It's like the WCW and uh, WWE invasion. To, yeah. uh, like, there's no way. They, even if, they totally did botch that, but they would have had a hard time satisfying people with that. Oh, thing. yeah. Like, I remember in the late 90s where it was like, oh, what if Steve Austin faced Goldberg? You know, that kind of shit. It's like, there's yeah. no way that could live up to people's expectations. No. But this one, this one I think did. And uh, so, yeah, I kind of I gave you a bit of the background because there were some certain important points to to know. Uh, one of them, did you get the reason why I put off put over the break in her neck from the tombstone pile driver? Oh shit! That yeah, that that spot was fucking gnarly, dude. Like, <laughs> I w- I was like, wait for like, wasn't she gonna? And I the the tables, of course, like Japanese tables, didn't budge a fucking inch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Definite <laughs> Japanese uh was it breaky breaky bishy bishy table. <laughs> Dude, one of my actual highlights of this whole match and it's the wrestlers both were tremendous, but the referee worked so fucking hard. Dude, like getting around the because there were so many near pinfalls, it's for like when them rolling and stuff to like go in checking out for make sure the shoulders weren't touching the contact. 
uh, at one point when Akira was like, looked like damn near almost knocked out. He like smacked her on the back really hard. Did you catch that? Like, yeah. almost like, like, Hey, like, are you, are you okay? Or what? Like just to wake her up to see whether she's yeah. still in the fight. Yeah. I thought that was that really was cool. Great. And yeah. then I, I really, I've watched this match really paying attention to the, uh, people around like must be like the young lions as far as they're concerned for mm-hmm. them played such a big part, like the running mm-hmm. around and being so intense and bringing up the emotion and like yelling at man, it really made the sh- whole match even better. It, that, in my opinion. that always is great with the interpromotional stuff. Cause you basically got all of the seconds like from, from each company who were there ringside, like as the, uh, almost like the fight camp, uh, fight team for the, the the wrestler. So I thought, yeah, yeah, you're right. That was really cool. But yeah, that that spot. So basically, the match starts out just like really intense. Um, Hokuto comes over and just like fucking nails her. Punched her right in the mush. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, whoa, all right. I guess this we know how this one's gonna go. And um, then yeah, finally they they brawl to the outside, and um, it's Hokuto that goes for the tombstone pile driver on top of the fucking table on the outside. And then this is the first time I've ever seen this. Like, you know, the whole Undertaker, uh, or I guess properly the Dynamite Kid versus Tiger Mask counter of the, the tombstone, where you go backwards up. Mm. And then, uh, so we we see Hokuto actually tombstoned through the table by Kandori, and, or not through the table, because the table doesn't fucking budge, as you've no. pointed out. <laughs> but the best part, but you see, oh shit, that looked fucking painful. And then the camera just zooms right into the table. And what did we yeah. see? <laughs> Dude, I fucking missed it. Go ahead. There was just like a, a, a imprint, like a, oh, a head-sized imprint in the table, where yes, it didn't yes, break yes. the table, but you can see the actual impression that her head... Sorry, I watched all three matches today, so I totally forgot. Yeah, but that that to me is just such an iconic visual. And the next thing we see, uh, Hokuto come up and just pouring blood. Her blood, like, oh, just from the top of her head, right? So thick, yeah, just running all completely down her face. The blood part actually played in. It made it, of course, dramatic. It always does, but I especially like the. She almost bled clean and then started bleeding again. Like at yeah. one point, her face was completely covered, and then it was almost gone. And then her face later again completely covered, dude. It was so amazing. Yeah, and like further to like more credit to Hokuto is like when when she's like up and she's she's like emoting with this blood, and she knows you know this blood's just like pouring down her face, and she just gives like the most badass, like defiant, but also like selling and, and putting over the fucking thing, but just like the the emotion of that moment, and just like the blood like pouring down her face, again, so one cool. of just the greatest visuals of all time in, in pro wrestling. Uh, little known fact, apparently one of the dudes at ringside, do you, do you remember Wally Yamaguchi? Oh, yeah. From uh, Kai and Tai WWF days? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He was also like Yamaguchi a big wig in, uh, yeah, in Japanese um, the press over there and had a, some history in, in pro wrestling over there. He was the one that bladed her. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. How crazy is that? Yeah, he, he, he went for it. He <laughs> went for it. <laughs> <laughs> if you're going to do it, you better do it right. 
And it, honestly, it got to a point where, like, I almost, like, assumed, how is she, like, because she's nailing these clean punches, her vision had to be totally obscured at points. Yeah, yeah, and and one of my favorite points in the match was, like, there was, there was some just an insane uh, great exchanges, and, like, there was one that I remember specifically of, like, just a real shoot-style grappling exchange of, like, counter, counter, roll through, counter, like, all that kind of stuff, and... Again, for someone who doesn't have a shoot-style background, I thought Hokuto looked amazing. Uh, but it, it sort of like you, it, it got the, the point of, of just uh, desperation and, and um, what's the word? Because like, the blood loss, you could see like them, uh, Hokuto going for stuff but not quite getting it. It just kind of like got a bit, um, you know, a lot of time people would say a match like that's like, oh, the stuff didn't look crisp, not a good match. But I thought it added to it so much. Cause Looked you just, more realistic. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Like it, at that point, like you, you're just completely taken into to the match and the struggle and the idea of the blood loss and and everything. Like the exhaustion, I guess is what I was trying to say. But yeah, I there was just such an intensity about the whole thing and like the the emotion and and selling from Hokuto especially. But I mean. Kandori was incredible in this as well. I think this was maybe the first Kandori match that I've actually... Oh, no, actually, I watched a couple before. Um, but, yeah, she was just incredible and for the, the whole side of things that, that she was portraying with, like, the shoot-style type of thing. Like, she's legit as all fuck. Um, but, yeah, I... Man, I loved everything about this. <laughs> was... Dude, the, the extended grappling stuff you're talking about where they... Like, literally, it's just them wrestling for control all across the mat going for, toward the ropes and stuff but the real amazing part of that visual is the blood was so there was so much blood and the white uh all japan's women mat mm-hmm. was decorated with just blood everywhere as they're rolling you could see just like it was so intense yeah i was actually pretty blown away and the fact that they bled that much and the match went on that long Whew, pretty impressive shit, man. Yeah, like I think maybe one of the reasons why this was so lauded at the time in the 90s of like tape trading and everything was because it was so out of the ordinary for like American fans to, to see a women's match that's that bloody. I mean, to see a women's match that's like bloody at all was like really out of the ordinary back then in American pro wrestling and women's wrestling. But like this was a fucking bloodbath and it was just motion and everything was just fantastic uh i really enjoyed the camera work dude added to yes it. oh man there's there's some points where you're like holy shit japanese pro wrestling camera work is just so far and above everything else yeah it, I, it, it sounds counterproductive but i love a good pan around one side of the ring to the other even though you keep the ring post gets in the shot who cares mm. i don't give a damn about that it, it's a great fucking shot it lets you know the size of the of what's going on i just hate like wwe like they would never do that they would never walk around the ring post to get another sh- to continue a shot you know what i mean yeah yeah and like the timing of it as well like at the the points when when you see it in a match like this you just watch it and you like it adds to the match it's like yeah so like i times. wanted to see that side like i need i need to see what's going on over there they just pan perfectly like, all right perfect yeah. nailed it yeah yeah so great um yeah, we had the uh, famed uh, Hokuto driver, uh, the the move that um, Kensuke Sasaki took on, uh, who was the the husband now of uh, Hokuto, who took on as as his finisher uh, that uh, Hokuto invented. 
Uh, so she did the snowplow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Call it a snowplow. I okay, saw it. Al like, Snow for life. I was like, holy shit! I see where Al Snow stole the shit. From. <laughs> <laughs> it's a sick move. Oh I yeah, it's it. dope. It's, it's gnarly. Yeah, we got to see a sweet one of those in that uh, that awesome um, Undertaker versus Goldberg match that I loved, and no one else in the world did this past year. <laughs> I didn't watch it. Oh, that's okay. Um, but yeah, we got to, saw that, and then the, the um, counter, and then the Kandori gave her one as well. And then the, the match finished. I loved it. Like, just where they were exchanging punches, and then they caught each other, and that, that last punch is just what did it. Like, just a real fucking hard punch to the face. And some people. That's like it started. Yeah, I mean, some people thought. I remember hearing at the time, like it was a little bit underwhelming as a finish, but I, I disagree hard. Like I think given the, what this match was, was to be and like, it makes all the sense in the world, you know, you fucking punch someone in the chin real hard. They're going to go down. I thought it was perfect. I concur. Uh, strongly consider it one of the best matches I've ever seen in my entire life. Yeah. Yeah. I, I definitely easily put it up against any fantastic men's matches and, it's just a, a great example of like why I find it so fucking bullshit that so many people hold this like double standard for women's wrestling, almost like oh well that was good for a women's match. It's like no fuck you, you know like women's matches can be as good if not fucking better than than the guys um, if the the women are putting in the effort. And it's like I think we just don't see that that kind of effort and, and background in a, a lot of the American stuff. I don't know. This isn't meant to be like a rant or talking down that stuff. But oh, mainly... whatever. Get negative, Chris. You're ruining the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm <Okay>. sorry. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, you watch this oh, and you're sure. like, fuck yeah. That, like, women's wrestling can be so fucking great. And it's the same feeling I get whenever we watch Sendo Girls. And I'm just like, this double standard is fucking bullshit. I was watching it, dude, and I, I said to myself, like, to me, if I was watching this, there's no question that this is real. Like, that to me looked real. Like I would, yes. there's no, I had, did not have to suspend disbelief for this match to get over with me. Like it looked like a fucking real fight. Yeah. It, so, it made well, that's you what suspend me. that disbelief. Like, You're like, holy shit, this is fucking amazing. Like are these girls are working together. <laughs> to me, that's the real magic of pro wrestling, man. Like just when, when you completely get sucked into something and like, you know, you know, in, in your, your head, if you really think about it, that this is not an absolute shoot. Uh, but, like, still, just because of the storytelling, the emotion, the, the, the work, like, you, you fall into it, and that, that's how wrestling should be at the very top level, at least in my opinion. I, I, no, I disagree strongly. No, I totally concur. I concur. <laughs> but, yeah, so that, that was just a treat to watch. Uh, we, uh, by the time this is posted, we will have uh, shared the, the link of uh, said match. So if there's anyone out there that uh, has, has not finally made the jump to, to watch it yet, I hope you have and uh, enjoyed it as much as we did. But, yeah, fuck, this was great. Um, you have to be. You'd be proud of me. The way I watched it is with my smart TV and the YouTube app. Ooh. I actually said the name of the lady wrestlers and the the year, and it came up. Like I, I didn't brutalize the pronunciations. So I'm not going to try it now because I'll probably fuck it up <laughs> after putting myself over so well. <laughs> I did, did the same with the other with the dice game match that yeah. we're going to speak of later. Yeah, I was like, nailed it, Jeremy. Good job. 
Japanese translation. Their pronunciation. Look at you with your pronunciation of Japanese names. I'm woke as fuck. Killing it. <laughs> right. Um, uh, yeah, so that was fantastic. And then the next match was the match that we put over on our last show Ooh. that we were going to watch. This is going back to the uh, the early 60s. The almost lost show. The, 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 Chris, show. the show didn't want to post. <laughs> Good joking. Yeah, but um, yeah. So this is really the golden era of of TV wrestling. Uh, like, I mean, it started a little bit before that, um, but still, Chicago was kind of like the hub of of TV wrestling at the the time. Um, and to be honest, I I actually wasn't all that familiar with this specific time period, like the sort of late fifties, early to mid sixties. Like, I think. Uh, you know, obviously, I'm a big fan of Luthers and um, a bunch of the guys from then. But specifically, I didn't really know much at all about either of these guys. So it was kind of a treat to watch this and and then go back and do a little bit of research and, and find out a little bit more about. And here I'm going to probably mispronounce and fuck up a, a name poorly. But uh, Larry, either Shane or Shane, I'm not not quite sure. Sheen, Sheen, Sheen. Larry Sheen. Like like Charlie Sheen, exactly. Is that how the announcer yes. was saying it? Yes, indeedly. Sweet, because you watched it today. I watched it like two weeks ago. So yeah, good. Actually, after I was watching it and tweeting about it, and I actually I gift a couple real amazing moments we'll speak of. Uh, Matt Farmer, former mm-hmm. podcast co-host of mine, yes, yes. Uh, he actually put over Larry Sheen real big. Said he was one of the greatest guy, one of the greatest workers of the that time, mm-hmm. and was specifically known for something we got to enjoy, his dropkick. Yeah, well, he was known as Leaping Larry Sheen. Ooh, Leaping Larry. Uh, And he was against, uh, to me, again, I think we put this over last time, one of the greatest names in pro wrestling history, Golden Moose Cholak. Yes. (laughs) Agreed, 100%. (laughs) Oh, and this, again, I went into this match completely dry. Didn't know anything about either of the men other than one of them is a fucking big boy. Reminded me a lot of, like, uh, Vader, uh, Walter, that, that kind of thing. And the other one was just a dude that was a badass, awesome wrestler and could fucking move and was agile as all fuck. Uh, fuck. What, what, did you, what were your first impressions of this? Uh, well, I, when I saw Moose, I was like, well, I'm going to love this guy. Guy's wearing headgear. Uh, <laughs> he's got traditional wrestling headgear is what I mean, ladies and germs. Um, you got to love that. The, mm-hmm. the announcers put over it as a heel move for him to wear this. Like, <laughs> it was so advantageous. He's been warned not to use any headbutts with it. So I loved Moose loaded, immediately. Right? That's, that's one of the devilish heel moves, to load your headgear. Yeah, and then we have little Larry, who by he probably is not a small man by any means, but in comparison, uh, we got a three hundred fifty pound guy in front of him. So, I it was like what immediately I was like, oh, this is a classic matchup of big giant guy versus wrestler. So yeah. I was really excited. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and one of the things I don't think we actually saw it, but what I came to uh, find out was that uh, Golden Moose Cholak. Uh, was famous for coming out and wearing an entire fucking preserved moose head to the ring on his entrance. <laughs> That's epic. 
I think I might have seen a picture of that guy before. One hundred and twenty-five pound rack of fucking moose antlers and head. Yeah, dude, I've I've looked, I've seen a ton of ridiculous wrestling images and stuff in my time with searching for such nonsense, and I'm pretty sure I did see a picture of a man wearing a moose head. Holy crap! I'd say that. Oh, look back at it. Probably be our boy Moose Cholak. Uh, another tidbit, apparently. It would take uh, two ring attendants to take the huge moose head back to the dressing room for him. <laughs> moose is a big boy. Yeah. Also, Moose would often come to the ring, stop on the ring apron, and let out a very loud moo. <laughs> Not a moose. I don't know. Do mooses go moo? I'm not too familiar know. with mooses. They might. I don't know. Maybe I figured it'd be like just, you know, like Moose and TNA saying his own name. Moose! It's <laughs> <laughs> definitely doing that, that uh, truck driver hand pull down with everyone. Moose. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> oh, but uh, yeah, so once, once we get going in this match, how long did it take you to realize, all right, this is why Chris put this over so hard? Uh, immediately, like, <laughs> like the, they tie it up really good. And then the next thing that happened is Moose does this amazing go around and then leg pick and he totally turns him inside out and then right? takes his back. He takes his back and I was blown away. I gifted it and I actually shared it. I go, look at 350 pound Moose Chillac. Take this man's leg. Yeah. Watch this motherfucker go. And it was honestly such a smooth move yep. it looked like larry was gonna go whether or not they were working together <laughs> yeah yeah so good yeah but that, that was a big thing that i was so impressed by moose just like the agility and his speed for such a big guy but his actual like in-ring work like it's not like you know you see every big guy do does like a drop kick or whatever and everyone's like he's so agile but like shit you watch this guy and you're like i could not move that fast that's impressive. No, and the bumps were so super realistic for a guy his size. Like when he would go fall flat to his to butt or to his butt to you know really sell, he was completely exhausted. Mm-hmm. Fuck it, the guy sold like a maniac. Yeah, great. I thought it it was amazing this match. Like how much something from the early '60s like held up to today. Like you could, you could imagine like two goes two guys go out there and have that exact match today, and it would get over. Like, a lot of people think, oh, retro matches are all just fucking 20-minute headlocks. It's like, no, you go back and watch this shit, and it's fucking awesome. I'd challenge anyone to have as good a match as that today. Yeah, and then uh, Moose really entertained the shit of me. We have this giant man begging off at points during the match. That was just fucking great. I'm surprised I hadn't heard of him before outside of that picture clue that I've seen at some point. Um, Because really, they put him over as a guy who was the only recognizable world champion at the time (laughs) who uh, was willing to fight anybody, I guess. Yeah, apparently he was like a legit massive draw at the time. Like one of the all-time kind of like Hall of Fame level big-time draws of the the era, Uh, of the Midwest kind of area, I guess. But yeah, fuck, I was so so impressed and... um, Sheen himself was, I mean, like a little spark plug, little fire. Remind me kind of like a, a like a big uh, Bob Backlund or an Ivan mm-hmm. Putsky, the way they moves around. Reminded me a bit that, of watching um, 
Vern, like when Vern was still had the the speed and and could actually like you you could see his actual wrestling acumen. I got that his kind working, of vibe. Got yep. his working shoes on. Uh, the fucking drop kick. Somebody's <laughs> got to steal that spot where he jumps. That's over what the I put over back. right, and I was like, this is yeah. the best drop kick of all time. Yeah, it was fucking great. My please, dog is now barking like crazy. Please describe for our listeners at home exactly what happened here. All right, so we got uh, Moose uh, in control. Uh, we got Larry Sheen in the corner, and the referee comes in between him to kind of you know get Moose off uh, so Larry can get out of the corner. And Larry takes that opportunity to leapfrog, like literally leapfrog the referee, but oh, instead of going all the way over, he turns around and does a double dropkick into Moose's face. Can you just imagine, like, trying to get that kind of height off of a fucking leapfrog and then... Oh, Nailing it completely? Yeah. yeah. This looks so great. Like, man, you're right. Someone needs to bloody steal that spot. That was awesome. The other thing that I loved in this was just how great um, Larry's punches were. Yeah. So underrated. Really sharp. Really sharp. Like, in tight. Like, they looked like they were connected really good. He might have been pulling them pretty easy. Like, he might have been a good puncher, but they looked fucking stiff. Yeah, I, I know at least some of those must have fucking rocked Moose. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's so good. It was just such a good big man, little man story, but like not the kind of anarchaic, um, you know, slow big man kind of thing that, that people often expect. Like it was just, just the whole thing was just so totally refreshing to me. Yep, and Larry, a lot of times, you know, the, the little guy will be played himself off as intimidated slightly by a guy like the size of Moose, but there was none of that at all, like yeah. Mr. She. Yeah. <laughs> Larry was just a badass. He's like, I'm smaller than you, but I'm going to fuck you up, Mr. Moose. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, and I, I was just so tickled by the commentary as well. I just love Holy that one-man commentary. He was so good. Yeah. And selling the show for next week or talking about the the – sportatorium the uh, uh, arena they were in itself like damn he was good yeah it's like i remember there was a bit where he was like you know you have to come see this in person even if you're watching this from another state next time you come on over to chicago you make sure to go to a show or you go to your local wrestling where you're from it's all great pro wrestling is just wonderful <laughs> yeah he's like there's no thrill like booing or cheering the wrestlers in person and enjoying the reverie of the other people in the crowd. I'm like, that's damn. He's like selling the entire concept of wrestling. This guy's great. More commentators need to do that. Don't just show your own shit. Just show pro wrestling in general. Yeah. I mean, it's so great. Like Michael Cole stops at one moment. Hey, did I mention how fucking awesome wrestling is guys? All right, back to the show. <laughs> oh, Hey, give me one second. I need to yell at this dog. He's like barking like crazy. I don't want him to upset my neighbors. You can either cut this part out or keep going. I'll keep going. I'll I've never put the effort into actually cutting anything out as our listeners or bots probably know. Uh, but yeah, everyone, please. I, I hope that you've watched this match. Uh, if not, watch it. So much fun. So much fun. Um, outside of that, filler. Dog scolded. Oh, I don't even need to get onto the filler. Here we go. Great. <laughs> I'm back. <laughs> I was looking forward to what I was going to fill in this time with, but now no. Well, actually, I wanted to. I found a little thing. Uh, well, somebody sent it to me after I put over how awesome Moose Cholak was. Mm. Uh, somebody sent me 
a advertisement featuring Bob Luke or Luch uh, and Yukon Moose Cholak mm-hmm. advertising for Italian beef sandwiches. Would you like to hear this? It's great. <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> All right. Give me just a moment while I cue this up. And here we go. I'm Bob Luce here with a member of Pro Wrestling's Hall of Fame, Yukon Moose Cholak. Luce and I are longtime pals and longtime fans of Al's number one Chicago's Italian beef. You could say we're all Chicago legends in our own time. I got a lot to be thankful for, Bob. What I need now is an extra hand to eat Al's Italian beef sandwiches. Two are never enough. Moose, you're just too much. Even for Al's number one Chicago's Italian beef. <laughs> <laughs> At the end, Bob grabs one of the other sandwiches out of his hand and starts eating it. And goes ah! <laughs> In but the I, podcast, I didn't imagine nothing is going to get better so than that. Soft-spoken. <laughs> this was much more soft-spoken than I imagined. Holy shit! I just really wanted Italian beef right now. <laughs> that sounded so good. I need an extra hand so I can get another Italian beef. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, dude, so great. Yeah, we should have saved yeah. that to the end of the podcast. Nothing from here on out is going to be that good. And that's all, folks. Da, da, da. <laughs> oh, that, that brings me to, on, on our next show, we are going to watch a movie starring none other than Golden Moose Cholak. <laughs> Fuck yes. Yep. I am so in. We also, uh, somebody, we've already discussed it, sent me a... Uh, a, basically a rip of the second time Scott Norton won the IWGP title. I really want to watch that. We should cover that on the show as well. Yeah, that sounds great. So who who is in? Who did he win it off? I honestly don't know. The guy sent me a link. I I have no idea. I haven't been able to crack it yet. I didn't want to research and learn anything more. I was just wanted to get this cracked open and start watching, and enjoying, and. Come in hot, you know. Well, that Natural. sounds great. Did you ever watch oh, the Speaking of Scott Norton, that awesome um, arm wrestling movie that he originally became so famous for? This just came up the uh, today on the radio show I was listening to, and I discussed it with people. So, uh, yeah, over the top. Uh, Sylvester yes. Stallone, great fl- film about a man who has to raise money to support his his child uh, by arm wrestling. <laughs> yeah, and Scott Norton is in it. But the radio show I was listening to had a guy on who was talking about it. And he's like, yeah, man, that was like the arm wrestling of Rocky. <laughs> like like the arm wrestling it, equivalent of the Rocky film? <laughs> yes, but he said the arm wrestling of Rocky. Not the Rocky of arm wrestling. He said the <laughs> arm wrestling of Rocky. And he said it in a way where he felt like he had come up with this amazing thought that no one else ever came to. <laughs> the arm wrestling like, of Rocky. I'm yeah, down the, with it. The guy on the radio show goes, you mean the, the Rocky of arm wrestling? Yeah, yeah, man, yeah. You know, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, what a ridiculous movie. A man has to arm wrestle to keep his family together, and then they send goons after him. It's fucking so good. I the like 80s rule, dude. I, I've I've actually never seen the movie. Another one that I've been holding off on because I'm really excited to. Uh, apparently, that movie they had like a whole talent search to scour the globe for who was going to be the the arm wrestler and the part that um, Scott Norton took. And uh, yeah, that he was the one that everyone was like, "Yep, he's a fucking badass arm wrestler, and he looks awesome. Great." 
And then it was the fame from that that then launched his pro wrestling career. Yeah, and Flash Scott Norton is fucking awesome. Follows me on Twitter. One of my biggest joys in life was telling my dad that Flash Scott Norton follows me on Twitter. He's like, no shit. (laughs) (laughs) My dad pops for silly shit like that because he loves old school wrestlers that are badasses. Yeah, I would pop for that. That would definitely be something anyone that wants my, uh, my approval to say, hey, Flash Scott Norton follows me. Yep. Yeah. That's legit. And I asked, uh, what's IQ Wrestling or what's his name? Uh, Scary, I really also got Scary Von Eric. Yeah. Yeah, that's what he's going by. I asked him to do a Scott Norton video to the Flash, the Earth, Flash by Queen. How <laughs> great would that be? <laughs> like you see him just like clothesline and go, Flash, boom. <laughs> Power bombing uh, people would be the best. Itself. Holy shit. Yeah. Damn. <laughs> That dude puts together some awesome stuff, by the way. Yeah, it's I mean, tremendous. Yeah. Uh, his his uh, recap highlight video of the um, Mania, last Mania Weekend's Bloodsport show. Oh, man. Tremendous. Everyone make sure to uh, check that one out. Uh, but this brings us on to our final match that, uh, that we watched. This was only one that I uh, was like, hey, feel like watching this? And as always, you're like, yeah, sure. And... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yep, I, I described this as a uh, shoot-style snuff film. Fuck. <laughs> I got uncomfortable at points, dude. <laughs> yeah, I mean, having watched the match, that's kind of an apt description, right? I mean, I don't think yeah. anyone actually died, but well, close. <laughs> it's some of the snuggest shit I've ever seen, bro. It was mm-hmm. like the kicks to the face, the when the guys are on the ground, the straight kicks to the head. I'm like, man... And, uh, so for for those playing at home, this is a, a, a 2005 battle in Futen, uh, which was one of the the. Let me try to say the names. Let me give right. a second. One of the up. premier shoot style promotions of the time. This is this is the one. Uh, uh, anyway, between who we got here? We got Daisuke Akeda versus Yuki Ishikawa. Ah, oh, killed it! Perfect. Fucking a man. I'm Japanese. Yeah, you can pretty much move over there. I'm sure you'll be Watch out, Kenny right Omega. <laughs> but yeah, dude. So this Bloody one, this occurred fights. in um, Futen is Ikeda's promotion. Uh, Battle Arts is Yuki Ishikawa's promotion. And and these are, you know, shoot style wrestling by the mid to, early to mid-2000s isn't quite as popular in Japan as it used to be during the big heyday of UWF, UWFI, Pancrase. Uh, but, you know, there are still people that fucking love it and wrestlers that just that's their favorite style of wrestling. They just want to go in there and fucking bang. And and that's what we get here. You know, it probably takes place in front of a couple hundred people, I guess. Uh, but, man, you have never seen two dudes go hell for, th- hell for leather uh, as as these two famous rivals did. Yeah. Like I said, at points, legitimately uncomfortable uh, with how stiff the shots were. Uh, but And uh, the way Ishikawa sold, or maybe he wasn't selling, but there was points where he looked so punch drunk and just out on his feet, but still coming at you. It's like another one of those times where, yeah, we're not suspending disbelief because these two are actually beating the shit out of each other. Yeah, definitely. And these these guys are old rivals. They've had just a huge epic feud between one another. I think one of their first matches that I saw was like from 97. Um, there's a lot of stuff like all, all through the years, some great tag um, matches between the guys and 
Yeah, this is probably their last like big time epic one while they could both still go. Uh, and <laughs> man, they they just you have people that say they leave it all in the ring, but oftentimes that's just hyperbole. Uh, but this is just two guys really leaving it all in the ring in my book. Yeah, and the majority of it was just a lot of. Tremendous fucking striking, just mm-hmm. stiff and snug. Uh, but uh, w- the, one of the big highlights is that one is it would it be a Saito suplex that the guy did, but he wasn't yes. like twisting really. So yeah, it was Saito suplex, dude. So Saito represent. Hell yeah, dude! Dropped him so snugly. I, 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 there was a point where I was like, "How can too, these guys right? continue?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just I mean that and the. I, again, I thought just like some of those those map grappling exchanges were just fantastic mm-hmm. as well, and just like the submission work and like the fluidity of it, and like just watching it, and it's like, all right, these are two dudes who actually know how to do this, not like two pro wrestlers, you know, doing quote unquote just te- technical wrestling. Yeah. yeah, like this is just two talented dudes who are just like experts in in submission grappling. Uh, just putting on a fucking display and between that, just punching and kicking the fuck out of one another. It was great. Yeah. Uh, we should also share this one because if people... I, I'm sure there's not a lot of people actually nowadays even watch any of this as far as most lame fans, but take a look at two guys in a shoot fight beating the hell out of each other for the enjoyment of it. Like, fucking tremendous, man. <laughs> I reckon this match was probably a lot more damaging than half of the shoot fights that you see. Like, the last UFC that I watched, no one got messed up nearly as much as what these guys Dude, probably were. The look on... Like, I'm not bullshitting. The look on Yuki's face, he seriously looked brain damaged at points. Like, he just looked so dazed. I, I got worried. <laughs> it is one of those things where you watch a match like this. It's the same thing why, like, I, I struggle to go back and watch some matches that are some of my all-time favorites, like, you know, Masato Tanaka, Mike Awesome kind of stuff. And, like, with all the stuff we watch, we know now, it's like, I, I don't know, you watch it with a bit more of a, oh, fuck, I'm just really concerned for these dudes rather than and enjoying it as much as you would have back at the actual time. Um, I don't know. I guess you have to kind of just put that to the the back of your head and just respect what they're doing. What do you think? Were you able to kind of like get that out of your judgment or is that kind of just front and center the whole time? Um, Honestly, when I'm, when I am watching, I'm able to not think about that. Like after the fact or for a brief moments when I'm looking at their face, like, you know what? (laughs) Maybe this is not the best line of work for these gentlemen, but during the match itself, I was able to just sit back and enjoy. I man, it's it's crazy. Like you, you, these are I'm a, a libertarians in some degree. Like I believe people should be able to able to do whatever the fuck they want with their own bodies. But maybe sometimes you got to step in. Uh, but I can't say I didn't enjoy it. So I don't know where to, that make me a huge hypocrite. I think we are. A lot of people are. <laughs> I, I mean, it's the same way I think about a lot of de- deathmatch stuff, right? It's like we can have whatever opinions we want, but, like, to me especially, like, I don't know, there's nothing more disrespectful as, like, fans who are, like, from from their fucking living room telling wrestlers what they should and shouldn't do. So ultimately I think it's 
it's up to them what they want to fucking do. But yeah, you can't watch this without just having a shit ton of respect for both guys. All in all, I think. I'm sitting over here inhaling combustible chemicals and no one's telling me to stop and I'm not getting paid. So, I mean, who am I to talk about some guy getting punched in the head for a living? Like, <laughs> <you know? laughs> yeah. I've got a great quote here from uh, Yuki Ishikawa. He did a, um, like an English translated uh, interview with mm-hmm. someone um, quite a few years back uh, where someone asked him, why do you and Okada hit each other harder than any other wrestlers hit each other? <laughs> this is his translated response. Because we are not hitting each other. We are hitting the fucking stupid people in the world who think that pro wrestling is fake, like a trained monkey show. They think they say that pro wrestling kicks are fake, so it is not painful, etc. Once they see our fight, they have nothing to say. They watch our fight like a fool with their mouth open in surprise. So our violent fight is not only for our opponents, but for the fucking people that make light of battle arts. Our fight is anger towards people who make light of us. <laughs> Dude, you, you said that Moose Chulak was the only way to end the podcast. That was a tremendous quote. I think that's a better way to end the fucking show. <laughs> yeah. To me, that's that's... That's why I love shoot style pro wrestling so much, right there. I love it. Yeah, that's like a that's a mission statement. Yeah, boom. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, on that note, unless there's any other really important shit for us to cover, let's let's get out of here. All right, let's do it. Uh, you can find me on both Twitter and Instagram at James Vanderbeek, J A I M S Vanderbeek. Um, I think I neglected the. I don't know if I'm plugged that I'm on two other shows now. Mm-hmm. Um, one being The Steel Cage. You can find us at The Steel Cage on Twitter. And I'm also on The Jabroni Journal, which is on KISW.com. Um, you can find us there on the podcast page. Very exciting. Uh, huh. I, I still pop that you actually get to record a podcast in an actual fucking radio station with professional equipment. I think that's so cool. It's badass. Yeah, it's very cool. I'm going to Still right get back. excited Don't every look. time you're there? Yeah, yeah. It's hella, hella fucking intriguing. It's yeah. like, I'm sitting, I listen to this show every day and I'm sitting in their seat. It's great. Great. Right. Uh, uh, you can find me at Chris Things on the, uh, the Twitter, but more importantly on the Instagram. Give a follow on there. Uh, I am starting to post a little bit of sneak peeks of uh, some of these bloodiest matches illustrations. I just posted one of uh, one of my favorite matches of all time, uh, Jushin Liger against Naoki Sano. Uh, one oh, of that their was cool. really um, awesome bloody matches where Liger gets like semi three quarter unmasked and he's just like bloodied and it's just intense as all fuck. Uh, that was just fantastic. But, yeah, give it a follow and check that stuff out. I'd also like to thank our great friends over at Social Suplex, uh, their Social Suplex Wrestling Podcast Network. There's a lot of other great shows you can check out, from One Nation Radio to the Ricky and Clive Wrestling Show to the All Elite Show to Keeping It Strong Style. Uh, all of that at socialsuplex.com. Um, uh, make sure you Woo! give uh, at Grown Men Pod a follow on the Twitter as well. And I believe now, if you so want, you can actually just subscribe to the, uh, the Grown Men Pod um, show subscription on iTunes. 
you finish that. Woo-hoo-hoo. Just want to get the episodes in there because we, we can be a little bit sporadic when a new show comes out. Just subscribe. Hit subscribe. And sometimes even we're on the ball, Chris might forget to post the show. It's like, <laughs> well, that happens. <laughs> that did happen, guys. I didn't even notice that you did it and then you brought it up to me. Like, you could have. I'm like, oh, yeah, you're right. You didn't do that. <laughs> I, as mentioned, I went interstate. To Melbourne for my cousin Ben's engagement <laughs> party, and good. as an idiot, I just completely forgot to post the show. I was like, I have to do this, uh, and then I'm I'm down in Melbourne. I'm like, oh, fuck, nerds. <laughs> <laughs> so it delayed an extra week, so we were extra uh, non-current, but that's okay. I don't think anyone expects us to be, but yeah, my bad. And before we get out of here, I want to return to a trend that we have dropped off. Uh, previously just recommending rad shit. I've already recommended yeah. this to you, but I want to recommend this rad TV show I just finished called Mr. In Between. Uh, it's only three hours, six episodes, they're all half hour, about this just awesome, I think he's Australian fucking hitman gangster guy just running into some bullshit and has to deal with it, and then it's fucking great. Ooh, lovely. Yeah. Uh, I have a musical recommendation i put this over to you the other day and good job Ah, bringing this back uh i like to putting over rad shit um plug skis uh but yeah mine uh i I got into denzel curry basically off of that awesome um cover that he did is it last year uh yeah i think so bulls on parade cover yeah yeah bulls on parade which was fantastic and and scored actually like really high on that uh australian hottest 100 list understandably <laughs> so yeah so good um but yeah uh denzel curry's last um latest album I, I listened to that the other day and it was real fun reminded me a lot of kind of like tyler creator uh back in the day when he was still just spitting out fire on every album like just really creative and awesome shit i i loved it oh thanks for the reminder i tomorrow I need to, if they're not sold out yet, which they might be, I'm buying Rage tickets. They're 130 bucks for Nosebleeds, but I got to see the band, man. Ooh, oh, is that town, the big so. double show? Uh, yeah, with Run the Jewels, man. Maybe. Man, that looks I can't, I can't pass that, but 130 bucks is still reasonable enough for one of the greatest bands of all time. Yep, 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 100%. Yeah, I've seen uh, Run the Jewels once before, and they're real fun live. Sweet, all right. Sweet. Well, Ladies music's germs, coming peace. in. Bye. Get twisty. Bad. <laughs>